My name is uh, Dale. I get to work here. And so um, first service went okay, so I get to do this again. So here you go. It's great to have you here. The next few minutes I'll talk. And as you often will see, if you're new here, sometimes people just yell things back at me. Ignore them. They're just being... Yes. <laughs> there is the key. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have not have given people permission. I've heard of these people. Um, I think they're almost superhuman. They uh, are able to take things apart and then put them back together again. That in itself is amazing. But they put it back together again and there's no like extra pieces. How do you do that? Anybody here have the gift of like taking apart things and putting back together and there's no extra pieces? There's a few of you, see? Yeah, you, you know, you haven't taken anything apart. You're just not telling me that. I'm just kidding you. Because I have this ability of taking things apart and have extra pieces and I'm like, man, I made this thing work but didn't even need all the pieces anymore. This gets even worse when um, I have plumbing issues. Yeah, people moan. Mm. So if something's happening underneath my sink, it's like leaking everywhere. So I used to do this thing where I would just guess, oh, it looks like I need this. I'd go to the store, come back, go back to the store, come back, go back to the store. And like, then I was like tired of people asking me how come I'm coming back so often. So I'd go back to different stores just because I have issues. But then I, now my plan is, when I have plumbing problems, I go to the aisle that seems to be the right general aisle that has pipes and things, and I buy way more than I even need. I'm like, I'm going to buy every size, everything, and I'm just going to bring it home so I have plenty of things to address the issue I have. The mistake I make sometimes in my uh, moment of just like, just leave me alone, let me try to figure this out, is there's a super helpful hardware store right downtown, and these super nice guys come up to me and like, oh, can we help you, sir? And I'm like, in more ways than you even can imagine. They look at my basket, and they look like, it looks like you're doing about nine different projects today. I'm like, never mind. You know those don't all go together, sir. I know. I need to go to a place that's way less helpful, like Home Depot or something like that. Obviously, when I have plumbing issues, I mean, I, end up, I just take a big roll of duct tape and go, and I tell my wife, it's insulated. There was a distinct problem I was facing, and I was addressing it with a collection of things that seemed to be in the right general vicinity of what needed, but it's not really even close. You see, on this day, we look to the one who specifically addresses the problem at hand. And we celebrate the one because the problem is finished. It's done. You see, Easter does not just exist at this isolated event. It's not like there was some great cosmic grudge match, cage match between the gods and Jesus somehow eked out a victory where the judges declare, well, Jesus is the strongest one, so go after him. It's not just one of the spiritual storylines that's available to us. It's so much more than that. I'm probably, I'm guessing you would agree with me that life in 2023 is like navigating an endless amount of content and storylines. 
opinions, content, cycles of information coming at us in these disconnected sort of ways. And because of that, it's kind of super easy to get confused. Like, what am I supposed to think? What am I supposed to believe? I thought it was for this. Now I'm against this. What do I do? And it's really easy for our confusion to bleed over onto even our view of God. Because we take the same kind of approach to even looking at God's word. We see it as a series of disconnected stories, kind of like each one has a moral and a point. But the Bible is not that. You see, the scripture is a single story. It tells us how us as humankind got into this present condition and how God, through his son, Jesus Christ, put things right. Sometimes this confusion leads us to these places that we call like a crisis of faith. Or we start to deconstruct, we start to take apart the things that don't seem to really work. And this might be protecting or projecting ourselves a bit. Because it's easy to start to project on God our struggles and kind of blame him for those things. Because the alluring path is for us to try to bend God around us versus even considering bending ourselves around God. But let's take a few moments and let's look at the story of God. The story starts in the beginning. That's literally how the story starts. In the beginning. God created this amazing space, this garden, where there was intimacy and wisdom with him and access and things were right and good. Not much time later it passed and humanity's like, nah, we're good on our own. We're going to make it our own way. And this led us down a wicked path. This part of the Bible, literally, that I just shared is this. On page three of the Bible, suddenly we find ourselves walking away. But for today's verses, I'm going to bypass this section of the story and go here. Jesus shows up. He had just done this amazing miracle. It's a miracle of his provision, bread and fish. And because people didn't get it, he declares this. Listen with me. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. These are words of hope. These are words of clarification. Those who come to me. In one way, Jesus is saying this. Those who come to me, there's always going to be a place setting at the table ready for you. There's always food that's been prepared for you. There's always a bed to sleep in, in the house. 
There's always, there's never a need to call ahead. Just come on in. The idea, I think I've warned out my, I've, I've warned out my welcome with God, never happens. We think of our lives so often as these bookends, the day we give, are born and the day that we die. And in that context, we find ourselves chasing after the wind for so many things. But this day, we are told death does not have the final say. The Apostle Paul, in amazing ways, had the ability to look back through Jesus what he did so let's move on in the story. He writes this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which is also Jesus, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And here's the line. Not counting people's sins against them. That's a beautiful word, don't you think? Reconcile. Sometimes it's forgive. But as our friend C.S. Lewis reminds us, forgiveness is a great idea until we have to practice it. Because when you're on the outside looking in, it feels heavy. It feels weighty. I had this dog had a couple of dogs at one time. His name was Bono. Yes, he was named after Bono from U2. I have a certain fascination. His name was Bono. He was a black lab. He was an amazing dog. He grew to be like 100 pounds. But there were times with Bono that we had to send him and the other dog. The other dog's name was Blade. Yes, I tried to intimidate people with Blade. That dog was a pain in the rear. But Bono was good. So we had Bono, and uh, there was times things were happening inside the house where we had to send Bono outside. Bono did not like being with us anymore. I mean, he didn't like to be separate. So what he would do, even though there was this large yard he could wander in, he would sit right next to the glass, lean against the glass, and look up at the glass. And often he would stare back from the outside inside with this Look on his face. <laughs> All Bono wanted was reconciliation. The other dog that we had looked for any loose board in the fence. He was wandering the perimeter, would find one, and was gone. That's kind of a sermon in itself. A man had two dogs. Bono lived a short life. The dog who always escaped lived forever. It's not often a dog lives for 17 years. That dog kept going and going. Even in its final days when it could barely move, it tried to escape. I'm like walking and like he's trying to, I'm like, get back here. In our minds, we think the one who has caused the damage or the hurt should be the one who initiates the reconciliation. It's like some kind of penance, some kind of price. But in God's story, it's God that keeps making the first move. Let me read you something else. Written in 1 John, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son 
his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love has been made complete in us. There's this cycle, this circular momentum. Because one of the things we as human beings do is we hold grudges. Some of us are holding grudges against God. You may not even realize it, but you're pretty upset with how things are and you're holding God accountable for that. You've lost things. You've lost people. And maybe you're holding God to some things that he never really even promised in the first place. Many of us others, we held grudges against people. People have hurt you, have disappointed you, have walked away. And others, if not all of us, hold some grudges against ourselves. Another way of saying this, sometimes we have some deep regrets. The first two that I have found in talking to people and even admitting it to myself is I can stay busy enough to not really engage with those, with God, with others. Like, I can kind of avoid those other people. I can kind of stay busy and like, oh, God. But the one that's the hardest is the one against ourselves because it travels with us. It's in the car with us. It's in the bed with us. It's wherever we go, the grudge or regret we hold against ourselves. This one feels devastating. Because there's this inner critic voice that a lot of us have, and the inner critic so many times is trying to protect you. It's just giving you really, really bad advice. One of the main things of this day is the ministry of reconciliation. It's pretty clear that God came and sent his son to reconcile with us so that we can reconcile with others. But some of his best work is in your own heart of you reconciling and letting go of the things that you're holding against yourself. I meet a lot of people and get engaged with a lot of people and talk with them, and so often the conversation starts mostly and generally a lot with a lot of guys. Who are like, I don't really like talking about things. I'm like, okay, we don't need to talk about anything, but what else do you want to do? So then they just start talking about things. And they're like, I can't believe I'm saying this to you. And I'm like, I can't either. This is awful. No, I don't say that. <laughs> I just listen. Because the reality is, is that when we start talking about things, we have to start paying attention to things inside of us. And when we start paying attention to things inside of us, we think, oh no, I might not be able to control this anymore. I get this because my shadow self, I like to hide things too. It's just easier. Reconciliation, God says, will you reconcile with yourself? Because I've come so that you may reconcile with me. I will give you the power to reconcile with another. And I'll give you the power to reconcile with yourself. And when we do this, we discover afresh God's mercy. There's an offer on the table this morning. There's an offer on the table all the time, but we magnify it or elevate it today. 
Because God is a reconciler. He is desiring that he and us come back together. The grudges we hold against him, the things we think he has done, he wants to make them right. There's this scene towards the end of one of the Gospels. This is just three days after a horrific event. Just three days after Jesus was falsely accused, abandoned by his friends. He was sealed in a tomb. He wasn't just abandoned by his friends, he was actually betrayed. Just three days later, their friends are hanging out in a house. Jesus has conquered those things that have happened to him, and he shows up. John, chapter 20, pick up the story. It says this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Shalom, reconciliation. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. A few verses later, now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see, did you like that Thomas voice? Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were. And put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, like a whole week goes by, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. The power of the resurrection is the beginning of this beautiful, circular momentum of reconciliation. It's not a weight or an obligation, but one where the things that have been pulling at us, one where the things that have been weighing us down, one of those things that pulls us like underwater and we have to strain to breathe again, are released. I don't think the issue is for any of us that we lack sincerity that we lack passion. I'm guessing most of you, if not all of you, have passion for things. You believe how things should be. I think the struggle that we can have is the direction of that sincerity, of that passion. Many roads in this life want you to travel them. Many voices in this life want you to listen to them. But my friends, a life without reconciliation with God, without reconciliation with others, and without reconciliation with yourself is a life that will fall in on itself. Some don't believe me. 
And I pray you don't have to try it to see it because it's heartbreaking. But today we celebrate that God doesn't quit on us. Just as Jesus preached on the side of a mountain that said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the persecuted, he also says here, blessed are you that haven't seen me and you believe. Today you can be that God is on your side. God is on the side of those who mourn. God is on the side of those who are weak in spirit. God is on the side of those who are persecuted. And God is blowing wind into the sails of those who said, you haven't seen me and yet you believe. Let's do something. And by believing, you have invited him into those deep areas where transformation can truly happen. 